from San Francisco, California, with your host, Ben Kaspik. This is Locked On Giants Baseball. Welcome back to Locked On Giants Baseball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Kaspik, and I'm thrilled to be with you again today. On this show, we provide daily episodes Monday through Friday, approximately 15 minutes in length, talking about the San Francisco Giants in a way that's data-driven and rational, but also insightful and easily digestible, easy for everyone to understand. To get this show every day, you need to hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so already. You can find us on the brand new podcast app Himalaya or Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. When you're driving to work, from work, or around town, all you have to do is tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Giants Baseball and we'll be right there with you for the drive. If your company wants to reach an upscale male audience, then your company's ad should be running right here on this podcast. To get your company connected with this audience, email locked at lockedonpodcasts.com to get more details about increasing your business. Coming up on today's show, we are going to discuss the Giants' 8-4 win over the Rockies yesterday. Just another win for the San Francisco Giants. They cannot be stopped right now. Despite giving up three runs in the bottom of the ninth, Will Smith blowing his second save in just a handful of games, the Giants came back and scored four in the top of the tenth to win the game 8-4. to four. We'll talk about the game, talk about the Giants' status on the season. Trading deadline fast approaching, so everything has gotten a lot more interesting here as they're playing much better. With the win, the Giants improved to 46-49, and 49, and just there, I didn't know where to look for them in the standings. My eyes went to the bottom of the National League West standings, but that's not where the Giants sit. The Giants sit in fourth place, not fifth place, for the first time in a long time. They're a half game ahead of the Padres. Their run differential improved to minus 41, which is really remarkable considering where it was not that long ago. Really, on June 21st, entering that game, they were at minus 98. So they've improved their run differential by 57 runs since June 21st. Pretty amazing. They're 26 and 23 on the road. And looking at the wildcard standings, they are only three games back in that department. They're tied with the Rockies. They have the exact same record. So they can leapfrog the Rockies with a win today, which would be a four-game sweep. And then really there would only be a few there would only be a few teams ahead of them looking at the second wildcard spot. Do I think that that's likely to happen at this point? No, I don't. But the fact is a lot of the talk just a week ago was about or even just a few days ago, was about how the Giants, yes, were not that far back in the standings, but they had a bunch of teams ahead of them. Well, they've jumped past a bunch of teams here in the last few days. They've got the Marlins, Mets, Reds, Padres, and Pirates behind them now. Just the Rockies, who they can pass with a win, Diamondbacks, Cardinals, and Brewers ahead of them fighting for that second spot, which is currently held by Philadelphia at 49 and 46. So anyway, at the very least, they've made things a little bit more interesting and the the decisions may be a little bit tougher for Farhan Zaidi, and I'm sure that's exactly what the team would have wanted to do. But we'll just talk about this game and talk about where they stand uh, as we move along. This was a game started by Drew Pomerantz. He has not pitched in a long time, and he pitched very well. Five innings, one run, one walk, four strikeouts, no homers, only three hits allowed. The pitching has been phenomenal in this series in Colorado, and really the pitching has been quite good since June 21st, just like the Giants' offense. But, man, they, you know, until the Rockies scored three runs in the ninth, the Giants had just shackled their offense, the Rockies' offense, in this series. And even with the three runs in the ninth, 
the Rockies have scored just seven game seven runs so far in this series. Of course, they could go off and score 15 today. It is Coors Field. But that's just over two runs per game, which is just incredible. The Rockies in Coors Field, teams have been averaging, games have been averaging like 17 runs per game since June 1st or something ridiculous like that. So the fact that the Giants have held them back so well is extremely impressive. Pomeranz canned the, the curveball in this start. He did not throw a single curveball, which is very unusual for him. He normally throws that pitch a lot, but breaking pitches don't work as well in Colorado and they had a very interesting game plan. I wonder if that was something that Farhan Zaidi, the Giants front office, their pitching analytics people suggested because, you know, you've got to have a formula in Colorado. It is a different place to play. Not only is the ball drier, so pitchers can't get a good feel on their breaking stuff, get a good grip on the ball, but then it doesn't break as much when you do snap one off. We've seen it. It's just a fact. Breaking pitches don't move as well in Colorado. So, you know, if you're someone like Pomerantz, instead of just throwing a bunch of hanging curveballs up there, why not just attack with the fastball cutter and changeup? And it really worked out. And so since Pomerantz had that blow-up outing in Baltimore, which was May 31st, June 1st being the stretch of time after which the Giants have played much better. So that was kind of the low point potentially for the whole season was May 31st. Giants scored five runs in the first inning in Baltimore, and then Pomeranz gave up six in the bottom of the first, and the Giants ended up losing after losing two out of three to the Marlins. But since that start, everything after that, Pomeranz has a 3.78 ERA in 33 and a third innings pitched. He's striking out over 11 guys per nine in that span. Still has had a little bit of a home run issue, 1.62 home runs per nine. Batting average in play is high, which it has been all year against Pomeranz at 341 since June 1st. But yeah, 3.78 ERA. Peripherals are higher in the mid fours, but still mid fours is more or less league average in this high run scoring environment. So he's been pitching much better since that time. Trevor Gott, Tony Watson, Sam Dyson also had strong outings, as did Mark Melanson, Will Smith being kind of the one exception in the Giants bullpen. And Obviously, Smith has been so amazing this year, we're not going to fault him for a bad outing in Coors Field. He gave up two homers in the ninth, all on fastballs, mind you. So, you know, maybe Will Smith is not a great match for Coors Field because his signature pitch is that slider. And, you know, like we just said, sliders are not ideal for pitching in Coors Field. His fastball is not that great of a pitch. It's kind of low to mid-90s. I really really do think that Smith is a little bit vulnerable in Colorado, if nowhere else. But anyway, on the offensive side of things, the Giants just continued to fire on all cylinders. They had 14 hits, showed total resilience coming back in the 10th after blowing the game in the bottom of the ninth, scoring four runs in the top of the 10th. Just incredible. Giants got two runs in the second inning. Alex Dickerson led off with a single, and then Mike Yastrzemski hit a double on a fly ball to left field down the line. That really was very close to being a home run. It hit that extended fencing that the Rockies put up a few years ago. It's like 350 feet down the line, and it would have cleared the old wall, but it hit the top of that new fence that they put in not too long ago. And then later in the game, Yastrzemski did hit one over the wall, also to left field, an opposite field homer. So just a great game for several Giants offensive players. Alex Dickerson had four hits in the game, a big hit in the 10th inning for Dickerson, just unbelievable what he's been doing offensively 
on the season now, including his time with the Padres when he was not good in like 20 plate appearances, he's been 67% above average offensively on the year. In his career now, which spans 126 games, 380 plate appearances, he's been 22% above average. So this is not some kind of fluky thing that he's doing right now. He's doing it with sustainable looking numbers in his career. Obviously, the cartoonish numbers that he's put up with the Giants aren't sustainable, but just been very good as a as a player in his career when he's been healthy. And so the Giants look to have gotten a real steal there against right-handed pitching in his career. Now in 302 plate appearances, he's been 30%, 32% above average, hitting 284 with a 358 on base and 522 slugging. So the power is legit. This guy has extra base power. And the Giants are reaping the benefits of that right now. Like I said, Mike Yastrzemski also had a good game, went three for five. Kevin Pillar, two more hits. He's just continued to be very solid here lately. And Joe Panic picked up a couple hits as well. Not to be a downer, but speaking of Joe Panic, man, if you just kind of look at, take a step back and look at what, what the numbers are and what he has become, it's easy to see that second base is potentially a position that they would like to upgrade at some point in the relatively near future not necessarily right now right ahead of the trading deadline but I'm just not sure that Joe Panic has shown enough to demonstrate that he should be an everyday player at the major league level right now he does have minor league options which you know would be blasphemy for the old front office they would just never option a guy like Panic. you would think but Panic on the season has been about 30 percent below average which was similar to last year He's hitting 232 with a 307 on base, same on base percentage as last season. And the slugging is just 317, which is extremely low. And in fact, if you look at who has the lowest isolated power, which is slugging minus batting average, the last two seasons combined, Joe Panic is fifth lowest in all of baseball, actually tied for third lowest with two other guys. And he's just barely ahead of the second guy, which is Billy Hamilton. So this is at some point going to be a concern for the Giants. Donovan Solano has been playing a lot and playing well, but that's more of a platoon situation. At the very least, they're putting panic at the bottom of the lineup, which is more where he belongs versus in previous years and even some of this year, they've put him at the top of the lineup. You don't want a guy who's getting on base just 30% of the time to be leading off for you, especially if they also don't have any power. Panic is in there today, batting seventh with Solano playing short in place of Brandon Crawford. Anyway, much more to get into in the second half of the show. We'll we'll continue to break down this game and talk about any ramifications, long-term, short-term, for the Giants. We, we will talk about the trading deadline. So that's all coming up next. Okay, so as promised, we'll continue to break down this Giants 8-4 win and talk about what to expect as the trading deadline fast approaches here. It's now exactly two weeks away. So I can't believe I've gone this long and not mentioned yet the outstanding catches by Kevin Pillar in center field in this game and in this series, really, doing him a disservice by not mentioning that in the first half of the show. But there was so much else to talk about, it kind of escaped my mind there. But Kevin Pillar with some clutch game-changing catches in this game yesterday, just multiple diving plays in this huge outfield in Colorado. He has been much better in center field lately ever since moving back there when Duggar went down with an injury. So overall on the season, Kevin Pillar has three defensive runs saved and a positive UZR, UZR 150 in center field. So early on in the year, those numbers were negative. He, he had negative defensive runs saved, negative UZR, and was doing well in right field. 
but he really has turned it around. And he says there's this article in The Athletic by Baggerly talking about Kevin Pillar's defense. And Pillar was talking about how early on in the season, a lot of the way he plays center is based on positioning and anticipating what pitches guys are going to throw in certain situations, what Posey's going to call, and whether or not they can hit their spots. So that's interesting. That's some high-level center field. I don't, I don't think every center fielder in baseball is, you know, does that well at anticipating where to position himself and where to cheat a little bit. Like he's talking about getting a head start a little bit. If he knows, you know, the pitcher is going to throw the ball hard and away, the batter's probably going to go to his right with it, and so he kind of cheats to his right if it's a left-handed batter, I should say. So interesting, and he definitely and, and he said it was about learning the league and about learning the Giants and their pitchers and whether they can command pitches and what Posey's going to call and where they're going to throw it, and learning hitters' tendencies. So I believe that. I mean, I definitely believe that, and it has showed his defense has been much improved. Balls that he was not quite getting to early in the season, he's been getting to lately. I don't think he's the elite defender he was in his prime in Toronto, but he's certainly looking like a capable defensive center fielder right now. And capable might be an understatement. He's looking like a good defensive center fielder right now. He's also provided a lot of value on the bases. He's been one of the better base runners in baseball this year, over three runs above average, according to Fangraphs. So speaking of Pilar, the question is, what will the Giants do at the trading deadline? And Pilar, I think, is a perfect, perfect example of the type of buying that the Giants could do if they find themselves in a position where they want to add to the 2019 team. They're not going to be in play for any kind of rental. I think that maybe people don't always understand that there's a difference between strict buying and selling versus need-for-need kinds of trades. Farhan Zaidi actually said as much this morning in an interview on KNBR, and to me that hints at the fact that bullpen Will Smith specifically could very, very well be traded, even if they're playing very well at the time of the deadline. Because the Giants have depth in the bullpen and in some other areas, whether it's second base or maybe right field, and starting pitching as well, they have depth in the bullpen and they may look to use it to add in other areas. It's not necessarily a strict buyer versus seller type of move, but the Giants quote-unquote bought when they acquired Pilar, Tyler Austin, Alex Dickerson, and I think we could continue to see that with the trading deadline coming up. And it's also possible we could see that in addition to seeing some sale moves where they're selling their shorter term assets, cashing in on them when they still can. I think a lot of people don't understand the idea that why would you give up a Will Smith who's like a really good relief pitcher and closer when he has so much value to the team? Well, the reason you do it is because at the end of the season, he's going to be a free agent. So whether or not you keep him, you have a chance to bring him back to your team by offering him a free agent contract. If you keep him, you don't get anything for him, and then you sign him back, potentially. But if you trade him, you can get something very valuable for him, and then you can also sign him back just the same. We saw it with the Cubs and Araldis Chapman in 2016. They got Glaber Torres, who's like a total stud shortstop, second baseman, third baseman for the Yankees. And they also have Chapman on their team again now, even though they traded Chapman to the Cubs to get Glaber Torres. So anyway, I do trust Farhan Zaidi, just like we've said all along when people were freaking out over some of the early season moves and lack of moves. We have always maintained that Farhan Zaidi knows what he's doing. The front office is extremely competent and they're going to make the right decisions. Of course, they can't be perfect, but I trust them more than pretty much any other front office 
to make correct decisions here with the trading deadline approaching. So it'll be very interesting to see what they do, but they're not going to mess it up and mortgage the future at the expense of some kind of improbable run in 2019. So coming up today, the Giants will be taking on the Rockies in the last game of the series and the road trip. It'll be Sean Anderson on the mound for the Giants. John Gray, very good, very talented pitcher for the Rockies. The lineup goes Belt, Slater, Sandoval, Vote, Yastrzemski, Pilar, Panic, Solano. So no Dickerson, no Posey. It's very nice to have someone like Steven Vote who you can just plug in at cleanup uh, when there's a righty on the mound and Posey needs a day off. Dickerson, of course, dealing with those back issues that kind of held him back in Milwaukee, gets a day off, which is good. I mean, he just give him all the rest he needs. He's too valuable right now to the Giants to be pushed too hard. Belt at the leadoff spot, again, we don't talk about it much, but that was a great move, and they've been red hot with their offense ever since he went up there. Slater and right against a righty, so it'll be a big test for him, see how he can do against a righty, see if he can keep it going. So we'll be back with another episode tomorrow talking about this game and previewing the upcoming homestand. To get this show every day, you need to hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so already. You can find us on the brand new podcast app Himalaya or Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. On this show, we provide daily episodes, Monday through Friday, approximately 15 minutes in length, talking about the San Francisco Giants in a way that's data-driven and rational, but also insightful and easily digestible, easy for everyone to understand. Once again, my name is Ben Kaspic. You can follow me on Twitter at Cove underscore cast. If you like this show, please consider rating it, leaving a review and telling your friends and family to check us out. I cannot wait to be with you again tomorrow. And until then, we'll see you next time. 